welcome back to another episode of the Fearcast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and I'm a licensed clinician specializing in OCD and anxiety disorders. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode today. Um, for those of you who are new, this is a question and answer based podcast. You can send me a question over at fearcastpodcast.com by clicking on the Submit a question link, and I will read it, listen, or I will read it, consider it, and likely put it up on a future episode. Uh, to that listening end, if you would like to bypass uh, all the backlog of uh, text questions, send in your audio question. Um, I've said before, the audio questions are so much more interesting, so much more personal and meaningful uh, to hear your voice than to hear my voice reading your text. So you can send me an audio question over at Instagram. By the way, I'm over at Instagram. I'm Fearcast Podcast over there. So um, check me out over there. Uh, follow me if you uh, so choose to. But you can send me a DM over there and click on the microphone uh, icon in the DM, in the DM, and I will. Uh, and you can record your voice there. So um, you can also send me the shared Google Drive. I shared that before. Share, share me the Google Drive uh, link over at uh, FearcastPodcast.com, and I will get that and post that at the next available time. So I hope everybody out there is doing well. This is going to be one of those question and answer based episodes to a certain degree. It's going to start with a question from a a, uh, a listener, and then I, I'm going to kind of expand it a little bit, and we're going to see how it goes. Um, by the way, everybody, if you are in the Southern California area, and uh, actually, yeah, if you're in the Southern California area and have uh, and, and would like to learn a little bit more about OCD, um, the OCD SoCal, which is a uh, the, the Southern California IOCDF affiliate, is going to be doing a kind of mini conference speaker series uh, in in various locations all over Southern California, and uh, you can go over, you can learn about them at uh, OCD SoCal. Um, let me just look that up while I'm talking about this. OCDSoCal.org, maybe. <laughs> it is ocdsocal.org. Go check them out over there. Um, I am lucky enough to be speaking at the Orange County one, so we'll be in uh, Newport, Costa Mesa, that sort of area. So if you are in the area, come on and check us out. You can go over to uh, ocdsocal.org and uh, buy your tickets there. They're super cheap. I think it's just ten bucks. Uh, ten bucks, and there's going to be um, a, a number of talks at each location by a bunch of different people. Um, I, I don't think they're all on the same day. So if you're in Southern California, and you want to bounce around to some of the other ones. You can certainly do that. Uh, and at the end, there's going to be a large Q and A with a, a a bunch of um, a bunch of us therapists and psychologists talking about OCD and answering your questions about it. So come check us out again. OCD SoCal. Org. Um, that would be fantastic to see you out there. All right. Well, why don't we get into it? This first question comes from, I guess this only question for today, comes from Michael. Michael says, my wife has ROCD that manifests itself as an obsession with the past. She makes me, uh, she asks me three to 10 times every single day if I've thought about past relationships today. She absolutely obsesses over my past relationships from six plus years ago. Every uh, uh, every activity we do or place we go, she will ask, "Is this quote safe?" Um, and, is, and if and if it's not, she will need every detail about the occasion. Can you do an episode for people with an OCD partner on how to help and cope with their disorder? So, Michael, thank you so much for sharing this. So, yes, I, I, I um, uh, th this is something that does come up quite a bit. 
um, in, in, in my work, kind of to a certain degree, you know, whenever you work with someone with OCD, there is, and if they're, if they're dating, if they're married, um, shoot, if they're just in a family, which is pretty much everybody, um, OCD is going to affect the other people within that system. Um, but especially with ROCD, you know, the, the, the trigger for that person is, is most likely is their partner. So they're living with their trigger every single day. And it's going to bring up all sorts of thoughts, obsessions, worries, uh, questions. And that can be, it, it can not only obviously wreak havoc on the individual suffering the, um, the obsession, but it also impacts the other person. So sometimes, you know, on this podcast or maybe others, you know, we, we certainly want to focus on the disorder itself, addressing the thoughts, challenging the thoughts, but also how do we help the partners within this system kind of manage themselves and continue to be themselves, continue to be their partner uh, within this relationship and be focused on partner stuff, not a constant reassurance machine or, or you know, uh, uh, direction of compulsive behavior. So before I go any further, I want to point out or I want to uh, uh, give you all a, a resource. So if you are uh, in a couple, if you're dating, again, marriage, that uh, where, where OCD is kind of the third person in the relationship, uh, you can go over to mentalhealthstrong.com. This is a, a, a group, a website group that's run by Aaron and Keith Ramachandran. And I've, I've had Aaron on the, the podcast, I think once or twice, certainly at least once, but I think twice uh, before to talk about um, their experience uh, having OCD within the relationship and what they've done. They also run a, a conference um, and they certainly did one last year. I don't know if they're planning on doing one this year, but uh, they do a conference where they specifically talk about issues related to OCD and how it affects marriages and working on making marriages making marriages strong, as it were. So go check them out at mentalhealthstrong.com. So let's get back to this. So um, so just a couple of things to, to think about. Um, so with with some of this advice I'm going to give, so every relationship is going to be different, and that means that uh, you know the the advice or guidance is going to be a little bit different. You know, sometimes the the specifics are going to be different between different subtypes, and specifically how to help that uh, to help the the couple or help that the, the partner within that. But there there are kind of four main points that were coming to mind as I was kind of writing my notes about this. Um, so the, I'll go over these points. Um, Probably haphazardly and poorly with it within my you know scrambled notes, but that's kind of how this podcast goes sometimes. Uh, so there are going to be four points. There's going to be compassion, encouragement, teamwork, and boundaries. And then Michael, I want to go over um, uh, perhaps how how you can uh, apply some of that. So the first the first place I'm going to start is with compassion. Um, so with your partner who's you know struggling with OCD, you know it can be aggravating, can be very frustrating to be the target of that of those compulsions and those questions and those and that doubt about the relationship. So remembering that remembering to put yourself in the shoes of your partner that that your partner is is going through something emotionally difficult. They are struggling. They're not sitting there saying. Gosh, you know what's going to really tick off Michael today? If I ask him this another hundred times, man, he's going to hate that. Mm, nailing this relationship thing. Probably not, right? So remember that they are struggling with something. So, you know, we 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 can take a step back in the frustration and and, and kind of take stock in that. And that might help us to adjust our responses to that person. Um 
you know, along um, along with that, you want to think about, you know, how would you want someone to be alongside you and to respond to you if you were struggling with something? Would you want them to respond with, hey, you know, you need to suck it up or you need to just stop what you're doing or, um, you know, uh, you know, something rather negative, <clears throat> or would you rather them approach you with, again, compassion and, and kindness and understanding? Would you want them to say, hey, this sucks. This is really hard. Um, and, and kind of speak to that emotional piece, which to that end, that's absolutely one of the ways that you can respond to this. We, it's helpful to remember too that, that when working with a or when, when being in a relationship with your partner with OCD, that we don't need to jump into and fight with the uh, content of the obsession. In fact, doing so is probably not going to help. In fact, it's it's likely reinforcing the obsession itself. Instead, we can speak to the emotional content of it. We can talk about how uh, annoying that must be. We can talk about how f- uh, afraid they must feel and how, how f- out of control they feel. Um, and we can empathize with that, but we don't need to then validate or argue with the, the content of it. That sometimes will just get you into this pit of um, <laughs> this, this argumentative pit that's really not going to go anywhere. Also add here, being clear about your being clear about your experiences and how the other person's symptoms and their compulsions are affecting you and the family can also be helpful to develop compassion from the other person for you and what it's like for you and other people to deal with the symptoms and compulsions. Sometimes that can, in a certain degree, kind of put a, ref, a, a mirror up to that other person to see the effect that their anxiety and 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 the attention they're giving their compulsions is causing, the effect that it's having on the family itself. And that may be, um, that, that, can, may, that may be one of the impetuses, impetus I? Anyways, one of the ways, one of the, the, the reasons for the, uh, that person to get into therapy to really start reinvesting in their effort towards, uh, towards recovery. So starting with that compassion. Second, encouragement. I think a great place to to start with the person that you're that you're that you're dating or married to is being an encourager to them is and and primarily just comes through heaping praise on them when you notice change or when you notice their effort to resist compulsions um, and even you know praise them praise them when they take even minor risks I've talked to you know family members and they say you know it's, it's it's it feels kind of silly to you know make a big deal yay you only took an hour long shower but if it's down from an hour if it's down from an hour and a half it's down for an hour and 10 minutes that's in the direction where you want to go i mean and how encouraging would it be to go oh you got it down to an hour great keep working at it it's not the most encouraging right it's not really going to give that person much motivation or much wind in their sails to keep pushing so instead, being intentional about heaping praise on them, even with the smallest bits of progress. Um, and, you know, if they fall off the horse, encouraging them to get back on, right? We all mess up, right? We all, we all have hiccups. Even the, the best of us have hiccups. So encouragement is going to be an incredible thing to do. Um, also, asking them what, what they would want as encouragement. Sometimes the way that we encourage people can be different from the way that other people want encouragement. So asking them 
what they would need in that moment. Um, and the answer may be different. The answer would likely be different between the times that they are you know, uniquely spiked to their anxiety or if they're kind of in that clear-headed space uh, where they have a little bit of distance from their obsessions. So this conversation should be done when the individual's not really anxious or not really, you know, in, in, in the midst of their obsessional kind of story and their compulsive cycle. Because uh, they might say, what I need from you right now is, and then fill in the blank with that compulsion or that, that reassurance. And that's not what we're doing here. So um, lastly, as part of encouragement, redirecting them towards their own therapy and their efforts towards recovery. So that can always be an encouragement, encouragement out of love, encouragement out of uh, uh, compassion, and knowing that, knowing that challenging obsessions only leads to better things. So redirecting them towards that can be a step of encouragement. So next is teamwork. So remember, within a couple, it's you two against the world. So, and that includes OCD. So joining with your partner to try to be the strongest you two can against this other force that is trying to kind of destroy things. So finding out what you two can do to, uh, to you know, speak the same language, be on the same page um, as far as, you know, what the goals are and knowing and, and being, being open to identifying, you know, when, you know, I think OCD is kind of, ha- has a big voice in today or in our decision-making process or on our vacation or, you know, wherever and saying, you know, this isn't you, my partner who is, you know, being obnoxious or being, you know, a, 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 a bother about things. It's OCD that's affecting this thing, right? So being clear about what what is happening, but also what is not happening. So um, you can pair with your partner to build a strategy against OCD. So kind of thinking about like, what is your role going to be in this, the partner who does not have OCD? Um, and also thinking about, you know, what, what tools work um, that can help the sufferer uh, uh, fight their anxiety. So your role in this can certainly be... Um, Actually, I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Um, I want to talk about uh, accommodation as well. Oftentimes, within uh, a family system, family members get sucked into accommodating for compulsive behaviors or avoidances. So it doesn't mean that we need to cold turkey all of those things because that can be that can be jarring and that can and that doesn't that that often doesn't really help that person take steps in, in the right direction. We want to then slowly back on those, back off on those accommodations, and be clear about what you're doing, what you're not doing, and when you're doing it. And that's part of a discussion that you can certainly have with your therapist in the room. And you know, all three of you can be there to talk about what is the quote, what is the problem in this? What is the the problem behavior, or how is upset uh, the how is excuse me OCD impacting the relationship? And then talking about what does it feel like. OCD is making the partner do, and what is the partner bothered by, and what would they like to stop doing and pull back on, and then agreeing on what that's going to be, when that's going to happen, and at what pace, so it doesn't feel like a punishment or doesn't feel punitive. It just it it, but it feels like we're all taking this step 
in the right directions. And to that end, I encourage everybody to do a few sessions with the therapist. So to, to, uh, uh, to be in the room and to talk about what your experiences are, um, sharing what you're seeing and sharing how it affects you, how, how those symptoms affect you. And, and you kids, the dog, I don't know, anybody about, uh, uh, and, and that can help kind of raise awareness, especially for the therapist. You know, we're we're not in your life all the time. We see you like once a week, twice maybe. Um, and uh, there's a lot of stuff that sometimes comes out by having that partner there. And it can really illuminate some places where we really need to push into things. Um, additionally, the therapist then may give you, the partner, homework on what you can do um, to help the situation. And that might be building awareness uh, in subtle ways. It might be pulling back on your accommodation. Uh, but it's also, you know, building that plan for accommodation reduction and, um, uh, and and how you can join with your partner on fighting this thing. So back to your role. Um, so the, the, the role that you take as the partner is really going to depend on whether or not the person with OCD has is an adult or a child. So, you know, with, with an adult, we can be a little bit more hands off. With a child, we're probably going to have to be a bit more involved and you're going to have to take more of a direct a directive role. But um, but again, that's something to be aware of, that there, there are those differences. And even with an adult, there are times when you as the partner will have to do some heavy lifting or will have to do some, you know, some accommodation. I, I know I just talked about pulling back on accommodation. But Sometimes we need to take a step back in order to take two steps forward, and that may be something to do and to consider what that looks like, but again, with a therapist. Um, but as part of your role, is, your, is it your job to ask them about th their therapy, what they're doing in therapy, how they're doing towards progress? Is it your job to help them track their homework? Is it your job to be with them on exposures? Is it your job to be you know, guiding them through the exposures? Um, or, or is it just entirely your partner's job? That's a discussion for you two to have. And I, I really want everyone out there to have these discussions of, you know, two because it's two things. One, what, what role could the partner take? What would be helpful for the individual with OCD? Secondly is what role is the partner wanting and willing to have? Some partners are, are on board with being really involved. And some partners are not. And forcing a partner to be to take a role in their in the OCD process or OCD recovery process that they're not willing to take is simply unfair and is, is going to be hard on them, is going to put an unnecessary strain on the relationship and could lead to burnout or breakup or something to that effect. So being clear about what what you're open to doing and you know what what you're what you're not wanting to do. Um, uh, Lastly to this and kind of to a previous point, remember to celebrate with them. Celebrate their big wins. Celebrate their successes. Celebrate their minor wins and minor successes. But celebrate with them and be careful about the words that you use. Sometimes what sounds like encouragement to you may be uh, may, may just feel like a big stumbling block or may feel uh, uh, demotivating to the other person. Um you know, for example, it might be, hey, I reduced my showering to an hour. You know, it, it may feel like it's encouraging to you to, you to go, keep at it. But that may, not, that may not meet that person's ears in the right way. They may hear that as, it doesn't matter the progress I did, it's not good enough. And even though, keep going, 
might be encouraging to you. So that's part of that conversation about what is going to be encouraging, what are some things that they that the person struggling may need to hear or may want to hear that's going to be meaningful to them. But again, all this centers around that communication about, um, about how it's affecting you, what's going on, and remembering that it's you two against OCD. It's not you against your partner, right? All right. So lastly, boundaries. Boundaries aren't going to be incredibly necessary within uh, progress. So um, the phrase that I love and tell all my clients, and you probably heard me talk about this before, is this phrase. If you feel like your partner is asking you for reassurances or asking you to, well, let's just go with reassurances. The phrase can go something like this. Partner, I love you, but that sounds like it's your OCD, and I'm not going to answer that. Or you can say, Honey, I, I love you, but you know that it kind of sounds like this is one of those previous reassurances. And um, and you know, Kevin, the ridiculous therapist on uh, on the podcast, told me not to answer that. What that's going to do is it's going to say this, this. It's not saying this is absolutely OCD. It's saying, gosh, you know what? It really sounds like it is. And your partner by that time may know, probably knows what their symptoms are, what those reassurance questions sound like. So saying, you know, I know what this probably is, and me engaging with this is not helping, and I'm going to put a stop to that, and I'm going to put a block on this, and I'm going to put this back in your court. You have to now make a decision. Another, similar to that can be, you know, putting it back in, in their court, if it's a reassurance question, can be something like, you know, what did I say last time? Because it's not saying, it's, it, well, it acknowledges that you've asked this question before, number one, and number two is... I think you're doubting what you heard from me. You're doubting the thing that I said. If it's a brand new question, a novel question, a new situation, and they ask that question, answer it. We're allowed to ask questions. Even folks with OCD are allowed to ask questions and know more information. But when they start to then doubt that, or they start to scrutinize it a little bit more or deeper than saying, what was my answer last time? And it puts the ball in their court. Then they have to take a risk and trust themselves. But it's again, it doesn't have to be on you. Another part of boundaries in this, Michael, I'll say is, or to anybody else out there, is be intentional about your own self-care, your own mental health, and your own needs. You do not need to sacrifice your own health or your safety because OCD asks you to do it. A lot of people will sacrifice time, work, their needs, hobbies, because their partner, their loved one with OCD is struggling. Now, of course, we are compassionate people and we want to help our family members, but it can really lead to burnout and can lead to resentment towards that partner if we're not, if we're not being cautious and, being, and taking our own needs into account. Uh, I know it's just a, tri- it, it's a tried and true, but it's a very cliche example. Um, if you're ever on an airplane and that mask happens to come down, right? Something weird has happened on the airplane. What do they say? You have to put the mask on yourself before you can put it on somebody else. Ugh, it sounds cliche even to say it. I feel gross. But point is, it's still true. We do need to be caring for our own needs so that we can be present for the other person and not feel like we're being put upon or that we are unnecessarily and unwillingly sacrificing ourselves for the other person. Um, and, and to that end, within reason, you're entitled to then have a life, other friendships, other interests, other hobbies and career ambitions. You're allowed to. Now, I will also add to this, 
be intentional about doing these and be cautious against doing them out of spite for your partner or doing them punitively to your partner, right? Flaunting it or, or uh, doing it in order to ignore them or in order to agitate them. Now, I'm not saying this is what's happening to you, Michael, but it's just kind of some guidelines and being aware of what your motivations behind doing this. Is this something that I'm doing for my own mental health to help me? Or am I doing this, am I taking some time away because I'm just angry at them and I want them to hurt? So just kind of be aware of that. And lastly, it's not your job to fix the other person. There's an old saying in therapy land for therapists is that you cannot work harder than your client. Now, this, it, it, it's, it's like 98% true. Sometimes you are going to have to work harder to get that person on board. But I can't do the heavy lifting. You, Michael, can't do the heavy lifting against OCD. It's going to be important to remember that they need to do the heavy lifting. It's an example I give. It's that if you were to go to a personal trainer and say, personal trainer, I want you to get me in shape. And then, um, and then the personal trainer said, great, um, here are the five pound weights. I want you to start lifting them. And the, the person goes, oh man, you know, I don't really want to do, could you, could you lift those for me? That would be great. It's not going to make the, it's not going to make the person who hired the personal trainer any stronger. And they're going to wonder why they're not getting stronger if the other person is doing the heavy lifting. So take that into account. So the other part about this is, you know, you, you don't need to be held hostage to your OCD. You are still your own independent person. And lastly, this is going to sound harsh. But, and this is kind of the Hail Mary discussion um, along with all this. Um, but because it's not your job to fix them, to save them, etc., at the end of the day, your partner may need to make a choice between you and the relationship or their OCD. And I've seen this happen where people have ultimately chosen their compulsions, their avoidances, their rituals over their family. And it's sad to see. It's hard to see. But it, it is their choice. I hope that's not what's going to happen for anybody out there. I would hope that you would all, that you and, and partners would join together, be on, be on the same page, can view each other in a compassionate light, can view OCD as this third-party antagonist to the relationship, and that you can be encouraging to one another by being there and by being, um, uh, by being loving and by being helpful in ways that are helpful to fight OCD and to build up the strength of the relationship and intimacy and care and love. So those were my brief and very haphazard scattered thoughts on this. I hope some of that makes sense. Michael, um, I hope that was helpful for you. Um, Michael, one thing that I would encourage you to do is to use that line for for her. Now, first off, I, I was wondering like what it means to be safe, right? He says, you said, every activity we do or place we go, she asks if it is safe, um, and if it's not, that she will need every detail about that occasion. It's important to recognize, well, I, so I'd want to know what safe means for her. Um, it's important to also differentiate this, you know, so sometimes there can be relationship insecurity that can be triggered. That certainly can be triggered by ROCD, but it can also be triggered toward ROCD or just triggering in and of itself. If there was trauma in a past relationship, 
if there was infidelity or if there was, um, you know, drug abuse or something to that effect, it, it, you know, it, it, Michael, if you were in the room, I'd want to be asking about these to see, you know, what is, is there anything in your wife's past that might be contributing to these questions or contributing to this insecurity? Because is it insecurity in and of itself responded to with OCD or is it founded in nothing and is just purely a figment of ROCD's imagination? Um, that can help to differentiate that, and that can be part of the conversation to have with a therapist. Um, but with the discussion with your wife, it's, you know, you can reflect to her that she's doing these compulsions. Hopefully that has already been discussed. But to say, you know what, I, I don't really want to answer these questions over and over and over again. You've heard my story. You've heard what I have to say about this. So I'm going to start pulling back on my reassurances. So I'm going to use the line, Honey, you know, I love you, but Kevin, the ridiculous therapist on the podcast, told me not to answer that. We could also say, you know what, honey, you can cut her back slowly. Honey, I'm going to give you one reassurance a day. One. And that's the one that you get. It's one and done. And then hold to that. So she is then going to agree on what the number is. If she says five, you can say, how about two? Fine, two. But we're going to eventually move it back to one. She will hopefully by that time, agree to it. We're slowly pulling back on these things so that she can learn to trust herself and accept the uncertainty and the lack and the inability for her to know, and that she needs to sit with that discomfort about it not feeling safe, but so that hopefully you two can work towards safety and care and a bond within the, that relationship. So I know it gets a little bit more complicated than that, and I hope any of this was helpful. Um, Michael, if you have further questions, uh, feel free to reach out. Um, and anybody out there, uh, else out there who's listening, I would love to hear from you. What things were helpful for you to deal with OCD and your partner? And I want to hear from partners who don't have OCD and the partner who do. What was helpful on both ends of things to, uh, uh, to help fight this? So you can message me over at Instagram, message me over at fearcastpodcast.com. I, if, I get, if I get them, I will put them up on a future episode as feedback, and um, that would be amazing. So I will slide the, um, the music in right here. Thank you all so much, everybody, for joining me for today. Um, if, uh, if you have any other questions or you, again, want to give me feedback, go to Instagram on fearcastpodcast over there. Go to uh, fearcastpodcast.com and send me a message over there as well. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, feel free to, or if you, if you can, uh, write a review, uh, uh, give me a star, give me a like, give me whatever it is over at the uh, format that you ha- listen to your podcasts in that, uh, that would be interesting. So um, please remember, everybody, that FearCast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you need a little bit of help in your recovery, go over to fearcastpodcast.com, and you can find uh, the Find Help link, and there's going to be some info for you there. So until next time, everybody, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously.